This is the fifth episode of our special Game Changers podcast series with Dr. Henry Masoma, the Professor of Kindness, internationally renowned for his perspective on humanity and a wonderful uh, collaborator, my newfound brother, in talking about becoming a good man. Today we're talking local, regional and global citizenship. Let's go. Henry, what's a responsible citizen? A responsible citizen is one that understands that he or she is his brother's or his sister's keeper. One who owns that position of responsibility, not only for themselves, but for the other. Does that make sense, Phil? It makes perfect sense to me. I'm really intrigued in the notion of being somebody's keeper and how you balance that across three different contexts, the local, the regional and the global. Um, I think it's probably fair to say that we are living in a time where our understanding of how to manage global citizenship is being considerably challenged. That is correct. In fact, it's it's interesting that you and I are having this conversation today on my LinkedIn piece today. I wrote about the fact that we're going through a globally transformational crisis, you know, by way of the coronavirus, and. One of the commentaries that I wrote today was the significance of leadership having a global mindset in dealing with this issue. The coronavirus has really brought us all to a place of unintended oneness, if you will. It makes sense. We're going to have to fight this together. You know, it's not something that individuals can do. And so if we had young men who are living out these, uh, these ways of looking at the world, we'd already have game changes on the ground and I think we do have some but I think it's our talks and our work that speaks to these issues in a way that has people that are ready you know I love a quote that I usually share with my students it says um, idealism untempered by realism does little to change the world idealism untempered by realism does little to change the world I believe the, the world has given us a blessing in disguise by way of this virus, I think we're really having to redefine who is my brother, who is my sister, as a, as, a, as a global community. How does a young man seek to answer that question, do you think? Because we also live in a time where most of the messages that we're receiving from the people who should be offering us leadership and are in formal leadership positions are messages that seek to divide us, are messages that seek to tell us that someone is not our brother and not our sister. How do we, how do we, how do we see through the glass darkly? Wow. <laughs> that, that's, um, that's something I've been thinking about over the course of this week, just thinking about all the international students that I have in my classes, you know, that are, some of them are maybe stuck in a dorm room when everybody else is gone. You know, I'm thinking about some of my students who flew far to go home and um, I've been thinking about the messaging and how even in the United States we have the, the state of California handling things differently, the state of Texas handling things differently, and everybody kind of clamping back to this tribal existence. And so um, how do we break out of this? Hmm. I think if we don't intentionally break out of this, it will force us to break out of this. And, and, and how does that work for you? I had no choice but to understand that, you know what, what felt like a Chinese problem four weeks ago, five weeks ago, 
is now right here in my community. We actually had a leader in our community yesterday, a pastor of an Episcopal church, was the first victim, you know, or, you know, um, person who had patient in our area. And oh my goodness, it's it's here. It's not something afar. And I think there's beauty in 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 the struggle of this virus for us as a global community. I think we are we are being forced to forced to have spaces of our humanity, you know, that we might have not looked into in a long time. And I think it'll be beautiful. So what we're really talking about here then is about the discovery of perspective in, under the circumstances, because when we privilege the local over the regional, over the global, or vice versa, we lose touch of the fact that we have responsibilities to the different communities that we belong to in different ways and that at times where they may well overlap but then at other times they're directly contradictory towards each other i mean you're i'm 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 just a history teacher you're the business professor you can tell me a whole you can tell me a whole lot more about how things like free trade agreements work and the you know the, the 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 notion of global corporate citizenship around environment and sustainability and the, and the, and the Paris Accord and all of those sorts of things um, uh, where folk can easily turn around and go, well, it's not a good deal for us, so we're out of it, as opposed to, well, it might not be the best deal for us, but it's still a better deal than if we're not cooperating on all of these sorts of things. So it's, um, I'm interested about how a young man builds perspective that enables him to look at all of these sorts of very important issues that are facing our world today that are not just global but they're local as he said you know it's the 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 virus thing which is a thing right now um and you know i pray that it won't be a thing for that much longer but it does look as though it's going to be with us for a while the virus thing was somewhere else now it's in your own community. It's in all of our communities. Something that looked as though it was global and distant and not connected is now right in our own backyard and in our, in, in our own homes. How does a young man build the perspective to be able to see through issues? And I, I think that's why I call this virus almost a gift. It's, it's so, I, I'm, I'm, I struggle using the term gift for something that is negative. But um, I think... The world, uh, if you read the book, The Alchemist, it talks about how, you know, the world sometimes, uh, the world performs for us. And I I think by way of this virus, all of a sudden, a young man in small town Fort Worth, Texas, realizes that what is happening in Fort Worth, Texas is happening in Beijing. It's happening in, in Rome. It's happening in Cape Town, South Africa. And by, by way of that, I think even my own children um, are questioning, you know, like yesterday my daughter, who's 11, said to me, Daddy, um, is, this, is this now our problem? I said, yes, it is our problem, and it has always been our problem. You know, had we taken ownership sooner, maybe it would have not been our problem you know to some degree and so teaching I guess one thing I'll say to you Phil is I don't believe now is the time that this young man needs to realize the young man you and I talk about the game changer 
should have been aware of this before it even became a crisis. Makes sense. Mm. To wait to, to wait till the crisis is happening uh, is almost uh, a disservice to the game changer by way of us as educators. We haven't then done our job. You know, I'm looking for an article here. If you have anything else that you're yeah, sure. Well, it's it's uh, I like that idea of um, preparation um, in advance because again the the research that we've seen from around the world says that there are three things um, that a person with perspective who is able to act um, with balance around local, regional, global citizenship can do. So the first thing is that they are dedicated to become a sincere contributor, not a taker, but a contributor. And that means that they're prepared to put the common interests and the needs of others before themselves. In other words, they have dedicated themselves to giving of themselves. So it's interesting you use that term gift. They give of themselves above taking for themselves. That's the first thing that sits behind perspective. The second thing is that they have a positive approach that is enhanced by a sense of greater purpose and a long-term vision that encourages us to go beyond our own immediate concerns to develop some sense of, of shared intent. Um, you know, uh, I, 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 I'm not quite sure what's happening over in Texas, um, but in, in Melbourne and all sorts of cities around uh, Australia at the moment, we're running out of toilet paper because people are panicking and for whatever reason they've decided the toilet paper is the thing that they're going to buy and you know it's um uh the my my podcast co-host uh sorry my uh, uh adriano de prato um is telling a story of his his mum who's in her 80s who's in the supermarket the other day and they've run out of toilet paper and 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 she asked someone who had eight packets of 24 in their in their trolley and the person said no i'm not going to give you one of them um but then a really decent person turned around and said here you can have mine around that so it's 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 driving you beyond toilet paper to say how do we solve this problem together and the answer has to be giving and putting the needs of others before yourself the final piece so it's, I'm, I want, I'm dedicated to become a sincere contributor who gives uh, to others instead of takes from myself. I use a positive approach and a greater sense of purpose to, to get us beyond the mess we're in now or the problem we're in now to a, a shared vision of how we're going to deal with it. Third thing, I can give hope to others to discern and meet their responsibilities with assuredness. In other words, it's not just about your ability to see beyond it's about inspiring in others their capacity to do the same thing. That's good. That's good. I, I, I love the, the hope piece, you know. Um, if you've never been hopeless, you don't know what hope is like, you know. Um, it, it makes me think of, of people back home in Zambia, you know. A couple of years ago, I was in Zambia, and Zambia was going through a drought, Phil. And I was doing some research on, um, on agriculture, and I was in this part of the country where they, we were given beans by a corporation to distribute to the people. And it was two pound bags of beans. And for contrasting that to the people that are rushing to buy toilet paper. It's um, chalk and cheese, isn't it? Yes, sir. And so to me, it's that distance that we have to encourage 
our game changers to travel from this person who in Africa is starving and is thankful for a two-pound bag of beans to this person in, Can in Australia or United States or Canada who's hogging toilet paper in a moment of crisis. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. It's a thing. I wonder whether uh, a part of the challenge is, is, is for us to be thinking about what schools can be doing around this. I'm really interested in terms of your work and your practice, what you're doing to work with your students to develop this sense of other as purpose, which is greater than my own needs. So one of the things I try to do to, to them is, uh, you know, I think I've, I've said this in the podcast that we've done earlier, is I encourage them to question the idea of self. You know, who are you? And I love this because it coincides with your pathway to excellence work where you talk about knowing yourself as, as one of the attributes. Number two, earn your place. Number three, go on a journey from me to you to us. And number four, find your calling. And I love that this piece ties in with what we're talking about today because what we're saying is number three, go on a journey from me to you to us. And so what I do consistently in my classes is I try to um, have my students embark on a journey on a weekly basis. So when I talk about uh, free trade and protectionism, which is, you know, we've been hearing a lot of protectionist sentiments across the globe in Europe, in the United States, and everybody's trying to close in. I, I take them back to, to my hometown of Kabwe, where I grew up, which is one of the most polluted cities in the world. And I say, guys, sit here with me for a while. I literally use my African heritage of storytelling. And I say, sit here with me for a while. You are a 10-year-old child that was born in this town. There's no opportunities. Unemployment is over 40% in the whole country. What is going on in your head? So force them in these spaces. Then sometimes I'll even release them out of class in groups, have them go outside, discuss these issues, come back in the classroom. So that it's a little bit more personal. And then we have these rich conversations. Apart from that, uh, one of my hopes, Phil, is to do more study abroad trips for my classes. You know, to teach courses that have a, a you know, almost a two-part phase to them, where the first part is in the classroom, the second part is is on travel. Because, you know, a language they say, which I share lifestyle, is these kids, the reason why they're sometimes unaware is not because they're, they're just mean-spirited, it's that they just haven't been exposed. They, they don't know the, the extent of suffering of their brothers and sisters elsewhere. And in fact, I call them uh, pathetic in their understanding of the world. If, you, if I ask my average kid in my class in the United States and Texas about the status of people in a country like Zambia, first of all, most of them don't even know where Zambia is. So how can I be a keeper of people who I can't even locate on a map? Mm. So it's, it's you and I, I love your work, Phil, because you, there's something you said to me when you and I first met. You said, I want to get them young. I want to get them young. So if we get them young in our education system, you know, the early part, educate them on just knowledge of just geography period, just the awareness of the you know, positioning of people across the planet. Then we bring them into talking about cultures. We bring them into talking about understanding what life used to be like when man was tribal, when we used to go around killing each other with spears and, 
and it was gory and how we've come a long way. We're not, we're in the best of times and not the best of times now. We're not trying to kill each other as crazily, I believe, as my ancestors would have done so in the past. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, you're the history teacher here. What do you think? Well, I, it's, I, I'm, as a history teacher, I'm, I'm thinking with my analytical mind here and saying <laughs> to myself that regardless of, of the, at times, um, uh, incipient doom that we all kind of feel at the moment because it's one of those times in history where we tend to look to the, the bad stuff probably more than the good stuff. We are living at a time where there are fewer people dying in war. There are fewer people um, living in poverty. There are fewer people uh, uh, dying of disease proportionally than ever before. There's been some remarkable um, milestones that have been achieved, particularly with poverty over the last 20 years internationally. And yet, if it doesn't correspond to our lived experience, it's very hard to feel. So I think it's very important to try and get the information out there and to be working with kids from an early age and to be teaching children about how to discern what my contracts lecturer John Carter back in 1992 <laughs> might have called or in fact 1989 might have called mere puff which um other people might call fake news um which is really just a political posturing so the difference between political posturing and um a rational view of the world you know, the contrast between the irrational view and the rational view of the world. So we need a rational view. That's, that's the first thing. And everything that we do in our education system has to work towards that from the earliest time possible. To do that, we need to be engaging young children in higher order thinking. You know, for, 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 the, for, the, for the teachers out there, you'll know what I, I'm talking about when I'm saying we need to invert the Bloom's taxonomy. We need to be engaging children in synthesis and evaluation from an, as early an age as possible. You know, we say, you know, sometimes, sometimes I hear children, uh, uh, children's teachers saying, but, you know, we can't... Actually, it's probably not the, the teachers of children. It's probably older educators saying, we can't possibly expect young people to evaluate, and yet they do it all the time. They're making good, solid judgments about people from a very, very early age onwards and about their choices and, and, and so on. So we need to be teaching them how to make judgments formed on evidence and how to articulate them and how to engage in the rules of civil society in terms of how we debate our ideas with each other. I think that's the first thing. I think the second thing, and I'm, I'm very much hearing this from you and what I'm learning from you, is we need to be exchanging our stories that speak to our hearts as much as they do our heads. In other words, we need to be That's... teaching children about narrative. Yes, the, 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 the power of the human story, the power of the human story cannot be underemphasized. I love the fact that uh, you just took me back to Bloom's Taxonomy. Guess what? I jam Bloom's Taxonomy in their faces all the time. I just finished grading a piece of work that they did for me on globalization, and, I, and it cost them 10 points when they didn't even attempt to take that journey with me to bring it to synthesis, when they'll just give me information. I said, information is not power. If the information was power, you'd be the most powerful people on the planet because it's all over the place. But it's how you use this information. I said to the student, oh, 10 points? Yeah, 10 points. 
blues taxonomy. Then I, I take them to the ladder of inference by um, Peter, um, Peter Sangley that talks about how we live in a world where it's difficult to make change because we believe that the truth is obvious, that the truth is easily discernible, and that my truth is the truth. You know, and so pushing our students to understand that there's many truths. And uh, I love to borrow from the Bible when it says the truth of three. And I love that scripture because I, I think about it like we all read the truth, if you will, but we all interpret it differently and it manifests itself so differently. So the journey for you and I, Phil, is to in working with this global citizen, this regional citizen, this local citizen, is, is to bring them to a space where intellectually they can view things from multiple perspectives. They can look at things not one-dimensionally, but... Phil, do you think that these kids probably need more literature in their lives than we've been giving them? Yeah, look, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here and thinking and reflecting... Um, I think they do need. I think children need lots of literature. I think the key around the literature that they need to be reading is they need to be reading literature from all around the world. It's too easy in a given context to read stories of your own place only, and I, you know, particularly when you're in a public education system and the books and the readers are already provided and. You know, to, to do something different, you've got to go beyond um, the, you know, the set reading list and try and create something else around that. It's so important to do that because if I recognise that there is a common humanity, if I recognise that we might have shared goals and shared culture, if I recognise that my truth is not special because it is my truth, my truth has to be constructed according to the same principles of humanity, the same principles of decency um, that prevail around the world. That I, I can't just sit there and go, well, it's mine, so therefore it's better. It's, it's quite the opposite, isn't it? Yes. It's, if, yes. It's, if it's yours, that needs to be the default position for me. I need to place you before me. And then I need to rely on you placing me before yourself and that's you know that's that's reciprocity that's ubuntu that's um that that, that is shared humanity you know so uh so, so you know uh, jesus christ taught a very powerful lesson and it's about fishing and he instructed people of christian faith to be fishers of men and i like to to take this idea to stretch it to say he was the first networker on the planet. It's an interesting. And, con it's an interesting concept, isn't it? <laughs> well, one of the most significant networkers on the planet. But then I like to say this: that um, we live in a global network. It's we're digitally connected. We're now we've got global supply chains that are interrupted at the click of a button, and all this commerce taking place. I'm probably eating. I'm probably eating Australian beef every now and then in, in, in Texas. And, but then, so what Jesus did, I believe, is he said, you know, connect, 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 right? But then, so each and every human being on the planet has a net, but not every human being makes their net work. 
So the word net, instead of network, instead of it looking at it as one word, we need to tell our world changers, our global changers, our game changers, that the word network is two parts. You're given a net at birth, but through the course of your life, you work it. And then that word then becomes network, that then becomes a place that you could cast it out and actually harvest something. Um, and not every harvest brings back good stuff. Sometimes you cast the net and there's shoes in there, there's boots, there's other things. And we need to have these young people understand that uh, it's not always that we you, you're winning in the way you think you're winning. Sometimes the greatest victories are losses. Well, I I I think that I mean I love that imagery of the net. I'm I'm really intrigued to sitting here and just thinking about it right now. It's it's fantastic. Um, uh, and 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 just the notion of drawing other people. Um, towards a shared sense of purpose, a shared sense of what we might do together rather than what I might gain over the top of you. I realise that there are some people for whom that is just anathema, that their whole worldview is constructed with a sort of a, a cross between a rugged individualism and a manifest destiny, and it says, I'm here to get what I want for myself and for my family, and... You, you have to look after your family. And do you know what? If it comes, push comes to shove, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look after myself. And, and, and it's me who is number one along the way. Um, so I think somewhere along the line, we have to uh, recognise the, the perspectives of others and those who d disagree with us um, have a set of needs um, uh, that underlie them, and we need to think about how best to meet those needs along the way. I think it's that that balance thing is really important, um, particularly when you're fishing, Henry, because if you <laughs> if you lose your balance, you'll fall over in the water, won't you? Yes, yes. There it is, Henry. It's been lovely to talk with you today about global citizenship, about regional citizenship, and local citizenship, and the perspective and balance. Uh, that are required uh, along the way to make that happen. I'm really looking forward to our final conversation in our special series, which will be about team creation. Um, uh, 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 you have such a wealth of knowledge there. Um, so um, until then, thank you very much, sir. And we'll be in touch shortly. Thank you so much, Phil. It's been a blast. This special series of the Game Changers podcast, Henry Masoma in conversation with Phil Cummins, is produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions. The podcast is available on SoundCloud, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts and on Google Play. If you like what you hear, tell your friends.